In this video, I'm gonna cover three really important things that you ought to know uh, for your property business. The first one is Alphabet shares. What are they? How do they work? Do they apply to you? Linked with that, freezer shares and growth shares. Okay, should you be thinking about them? When should you implement them? Are they right for you? The second one is uh, business structure, sole trader, partnership, LLP, or limited company. But really in that, what I'm gonna talk about is a holding company structure to share with you whether that works for your property business. And the third one is cars. Should you have a company car? Should you have your own car? What should you be thinking about? How should you finance it? Watch this video and I'll cover all of that fantastic stuff for you. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. There are certain things you ought to be thinking about when you start your property business. But unfortunately, what happens is, at that time, you probably aren't thinking about those things, and later on, you realize you should have paid a bit more attention to them. So if you're new to property, this video is pretty much kind of near perfect for you in terms of thinking about those important things, mainly to do with tax. Uh, and if you're an existing property investor, you ought to know about these things so you can possibly change your business in light of the information I'm gonna share with you. So the first one really is, when you form a company, here I'm talking about a limited company, when you form a company, thinking about all the different shareholders and thinking about what types of shares to have. So generally speaking, let's say you've got husband and wife, they create a company, and they kind of have uh, shares 50-50 each. Now what normally happens is, uh, they'll form a brand new company and get ordinary shares, uh, husband gets one, wife gets one, or they get two each, five each, or 50 each. Let's just call it 50 each to, to keep it simple. As time goes on, take five years time, wife says, I need more money. Husband says, I need less money. Uh, so the wife says, I need to take a 50 grand dividend every single year, which she does. Put a wife here. Husband says, I don't need a dividend. The problem is, because they own shares 50-50 each, if she takes 50,000, he's gonna take 50,000, and he may be in a, in a very different tax bracket, therefore, he might be paying extra tax where he doesn't need to, especially because he doesn't need the money. Uh, so, we have a problem here. How, do, how can you potentially overcome that? Uh, and you can when you get to here, by the way, but better when you're forming the company, what husband and wife should do is create alphabet shares. So these could be A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. Uh, so you, you can create A-class shares, and the husband gets 100% of the A-class shares. Wife gets B-class. Now, when you get to this particular stage here, Wife says, I need 50,000 pounds. So she gets a dividend on the B class shares. And that's the only share class that gets a dividend. Uh, therefore, husband doesn't need, need to have a dividend because he doesn't own the B class shares. 
So that's part of the benefit for uh, having different class of shares. Then you can restrict uh, voting rights, rights on capital, rights on distribution, winding up. Uh, so if you've got employees, for example, you might want to give them some shares, but you might not want to give them voting rights, or you might not want to give them uh, rights on, on, on exit in terms of uh, to getting some funds when you sell the company. Now let's move it one step further. Husband and wife form a company and they've got two children and let's just say they're uh, 18 and 20 years old just to keep it really simple. So two little kids here, well they're not really kids, they're adults now, but two children. Let's just make them smaller here. What husband and wife do is say we'll give them some shares as well and let's say C class and D class and let's just say one goes to son and one daughter so they got son and daughter and what they do is say we're, we're going to and let's say they've got some existing uh, or one existing property but going forward and then let's say they're into flipping properties but going forward what they're going to do is flip more properties so what they could do is freeze the value of the existing shares and say all future value goes to C and D class shares and they can also freeze the value of A and B. So basically these have a fixed value and let's say they're worth 50,000. Going forward all the, all the value created goes to C and D shares and let's say in, in five years time these shares are worth 500 grand. So you can see what's happened here is all, all the value from uh, the date that these shares were created uh, goes into C and D class shares. So husband and wife now have reduced their exposure for inheritance tax, IHT, and the children get the value of that. Now the consequence of this to some extent, of course, is when the children get their hand on the money, what will they do with the money? That's a question that needs to be asked. If they've got uh, these shares, what voting rights they have, uh, and because they've got that income, will they take over the company so mom and dad don't have anything left over if they get married uh, and then the marriage doesn't work out for example uh, will their spouse have some of this uh, capital which might be a concern for the parents so we mean to losing income losing control and losing some of the assets or the value to a third party are some of the concerns people have so these are so some of the things you should be thinking about before you go into this particular arrangement but it's quite neat in terms of passing over income and assets and value to your children at some point in the future now it's if you can do this at the start it's better uh, because it'll be cheaper for you to set everything up if you do this once you've got four two three million pounds plus uh, value of your estate it's not be two three million by the way it could be a million pounds of in your in your, in your estate then it's, it's it's more costly for everything to set up and add new uh, classes and new layers so if you do it at the start it's cheaper and better if you do it later on it'll cost you more money but it is achievable so that's the first thing think about alphabet shares freeze the shares when should you do them do their work for you and by the way i don't think the tax tail should wag the dog it's about thinking about your situation what you're looking to do is it right for you just because people out there are talking about it it doesn't mean you should be doing it what you need to be looking at your circumstances and think about what feels comfortable and right for you and your family. The first thing Alphabet shares, number two, is structure. 
So here, I'm not going to go into great detail because I've done other videos for you in terms of the, the different types of uh, business structure. But thinking about, should you have a limited company, an LLP? Should you be a sole trader? Or should you have just a, a standard ordinary partnership? And it's going through the pros and cons of each single one and working out which works better for you. And by the way, if you're doing, let's say, service accommodation and deal sourcing and flipping and commercial conversions, for example, then there's no reason why you can't use some or all of these structures for the different uh, parts of your property business. So it's not just always limited company is the best way forward. It's maybe you might have an LLP because you're doing property training. Or you might have an LLP because you're doing service accommodation. And thinking about what are the benefits of an LLP which work better for this type of business compared to a limited company, sole trader, or a partnership. Like I said, I've got other videos here. Uh, you can search for them. Uh, they're kind of dotted around on this particular channel. But what I'm gonna go into, which I think is quite important, alongside uh, this particular structure, is at some point thinking about, okay, our business is becoming sophisticated, or it's going to become sophisticated. Uh, how do we manage that better and make it more streamlined? Well, one option opportunity is to have a holding company, which let's say husband and wife situation again, and they both own 50% each of the shares in the holding company. The holding company then forms new SPVs, special purpose vehicles, every time you do a new project. Unless for the purpose of this example here, say you've got uh, a husband and wife doing commercial conversions, so they buy commercial property and then convert it into residential units. So SPV one here, two, three, so on, so forth. Now, before I go further, let's say you only have one limited company right now, and you formed a second one, so you're doing two commercial conversions. Can you add a holding company on top? Yes, you can. Uh, but that will cost you uh, money in terms of uh, advice from a, a, a tax person or an accountant like myself, and we do quite a bit of that. Uh, and then they might recommend to you that you should get a claims from HMRC. That depends how comfortable they are with the advice and whether they think it works or not. So whether or not you get clearance, you'll need written advice from an accountant and a tax advisor who can give you the exact steps and implement it for you because you definitely can't do this at home by the way, it's too complicated stuff. The other option is when you're starting off, doing it from day one. So forming the holding company first, then forming SPV1, and as you build your business, having more uh, companies added on as you proceed. That is a cheaper way of doing it. This, adding that on top, is gonna to be more expensive in terms of advice and implementation. So it's thinking about which one works better for you. Now, a common question I get asked is, well, what, what happens when we finish this particular project? I've got 100,000 pounds here. What do I do with the company? Well, if you're not gonna use it anymore, the 100 grand transferred into HCO, and you can then dissolve this company here. That 100 grand sits up here now. That can go into here, 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 or any future company, so you can use the cash as you wish. When the dividend gets paid into a holding company, there's no tax to pay. So that's how you can utilize those funds. And when you've used these companies and you have no further use because you've done a commercial conversion, for example, and you've sold all, all the units, you can just close them and move on. Or you can do another project in this company once you finish the first one. Totally up to you. Most people usually move on simply because what happens is uh, they may have other partners involved in, in these companies uh, and they just want to 
close that off and move on because they might have a different partner here or a different uh, investor. So they just want to keep it all nice, clean and tidy. But nothing stops you using these companies again. But I, I'd say don't do more than one project in, in one company at any one time because the whole thing of having an SPV and limited liability is you limit the risk uh, of one particular project into that, in that company. If you've got two projects, one goes wrong, one's working well, the one that goes wrong could bring down the other one and that could be disaster for you. So one project in one company at any one time works better. So that's the second thing. And the third one for today is cars. Because it's a popular one. Property investors and developers like cars. So do I, by the way, and uh, that's fine. So you ought to be thinking about if you have your own car, should you claim mileage, which is 45 pence per mile for the first 10,000 miles, in any given tax year, 25 pence thereafter. Excuse the handwriting, but that's as good as it gets from my point of view, I'm afraid. Uh, so should I claim mileage? Should you have a company car? Here, by company, I'm, I'm saying a limited company. And he's thinking about, from these two options, which one works best for you? If you have a company car, then you obviously need to look at the benefit in kind rules and see how they work out. Usually expensive, uh, depending on the CO2 emissions and the value of the car. The other option is, should I go electric? And the good news for you is company car tax is very low. So low tax could be a good way forward for you. So you can do that. Something else you ought to be thinking about is okay, I've got a, li a limited company, but I'm also now going to go into say service accommodation or I'm going to have a, a management company. So you could possibly form an LLP once this moves over here. Or a partnership or a sole trader. Put ST here, yeah, sole trader. And then that particular vehicle owns the car. At the end of the year, you work out the cost for the car uh, in terms of how much it costs you in terms of running the car, maintenance, insurance, wear and tear, uh, and if it's on finance, uh, interest costs. And you work out how much the car costs you a year. Let's say it's costing you 10,000 pounds a year. You work out how much of the journeys you do for private purposes. Uh, in this particular case, 25% of the journeys are private, 75% business. So two and a half grand you don't claim. The seven and a half grand you claim through this particular vehicle as a business expense. So that's that there. Now something that you might come across uh, or think about is, well, I've got a company car parked on the work premises. It's gonna be a pool car. Nobody ever uses it for, for personal purposes. Well, in that case, there's no benefit in kind tax to pay. But is that really the situation? If it is, fine. If you're gonna take it home or you're gonna have personal use, then you'll have to pay benefit in kind tax. So unless you say it really is parked on the premises and you keep a detailed mileage log uh, and it's a pool car and all staff members have access to it, then it's fine. But speaking in property uh, unless it's a really big property business more often than not uh, the, the directors usually take the cars home so that probably isn't gonna work so it's about doing this calculation and seeing which one works better for me I have an old car should I carry on with that or I want a new car do, do I pay for it myself and claim mileage or should I get the company to pay the benefit in kind tax, which could be high? Or should I get an electric car so the tax is lower? Or should I have an LLP partnership or a sole trader and then work out how much I'm using for, for uh, private journeys, 
how much for business journeys, and what's the net impact. So those are the things you want to be thinking about. Then you can think about, okay, should I do a contract hire car? Should I buy it outright in cash? Should I get it on a HP? Should I, should I do a PCP with a balloon payment? Again, there's no one size fits all. Different dealerships to offer different deals. Let me give you an example. Met one of my accountant friends yesterday, uh, bought a new Jaguar, list price, 60,000 pounds. Uh, X demo, uh, so it'd been, it'd been used as a demo car for four weeks, on for 35,000 pounds, called up the uh, garage, you got this car on, list price is 60,000 pounds, you've got 35,000 pounds here, I think you've made a mistake. Even though he wants to buy the car, he was just being honest. Said, we haven't made a mistake, these cars aren't selling very well right now, so it's on the full court, take it for 35 grand. So he bought a 6,000 pound car, X demo used for, for, for six weeks, so it might have been on sale for 50 grand maybe because it's, it's an X demo, I don't know or how much that would have been on sale for. But 35,000 pounds just because of where the marketplace is right now, uh, got a fantastic deal. If you're getting that kind of deal, is it better to pay cash, although even though all you, you could get finance for it as well, by the way, so you don't have to pay cash, or should you then say, I'm not interested in having that car, and I'm gonna go and get an, uh, a car on contract higher. So it's about thinking about what deals you get uh, at any one time, different dealerships offer different deals for a different type of product because they're trying to push something or there's a particular bonuses being offered on a particular module uh, or particular finance package. So to explore all the opportunities and see which one works best for you. So these are the three common things that people ask me all, all the time. So I thought I'd put this video for you. If you like it, click like so I know it's the type of stuff you want. Also subscribe so you get notified regularly. And if you got any questions on Alphabet shares, freezer shares, holding companies or company cards, put it in the comments box below and I'll happily answer your questions. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money. 